Bible prophesied of a unique time on earth, Israel would be returned to her land, the church would turn to false doctrines, technology would increase, and wickedness and immorality would run rampant. The time spoken of so long ago has come. Join Charlie Garrett as he breaks down these events for us as they unfold each week. Let's see here. Today is 5 January 2020 and uh, Sunday, first Sunday of the year. It's time for the Prophecy Update of the Week. We got some uh, visitors here. We got two of them, the Furches, who have been here a few times. Your third year, right? Third year coming and uh, they're down visiting. They showed up at Bible class on Thursday night and it happened to be a pizza night. So they got some pizza with us. And uh, it's always a pleasure having your smiling faces here. And then we also had some folks walk in today, unexpected. It's, uh, and I know I'm going to say this wrong because he's got a French accent, but it's Mario and Jerry Boisvert. Is that right? Okay. All right. And, but Mario, I didn't get right because he says it like Mario or something, but I can't do it. So anyway, welcome to you guys. It's wonderful to have you here. And thank you for making this effort. They're actually staying down in Pine Island, which is about an hour drive, right? So uh, here we are with that. And uh, so, uh, are you liking the weather? It's better than Michigan? Way nicer. Okay, there you go. Way nicer. All right, well, it's the place to be this time of year. Okay, we got uh, one announcement before we get into our regular categories is we are beginning today, we're going to be doing a series on doctrine, okay? Instead of what we normally do, which is analyze the Bible verse by verse and even word by word, uh, we're going to take a break before we get into the book of Deuteronomy to finish out the uh, Torah, and we're going to be doing doctrine sermons for a few weeks. And I would hope that anybody that is uh, watching these Prophecy Updates, even if you've never watched our other sermons, you would at least watch these doctrine sermons. You're going to learn what is proper, what is right, you know, everything that uh, you would need just for basic doctrine. They're not going to be complicated, and they will hopefully edify you, and you'll uh, find out maybe where your theology is lacking or where you're spot on. And uh, so we would hope that you would do that. Maybe we'll do 10 or so doctrine sermons. I've got nine type now, and I don't know how many more I'm going to go, but eventually we'll get back into the book of Deuteronomy. Okay, our uh, first category, as always, is Israel. And let's see here, from the Times of Israel, Israel tech exits surge 102% in 2019, reaching $9.9 billion. We'll have some... Uh, end of the year things and new year things now and then probably next week just to catch up on how things have panned out throughout the year in all the categories. But for Israel, they're going up in tech. 2019 was an outstanding year for Israel's tech industry with the number of exits, meaning mergers and acquisitions or IPOs totaling $9.9 billion, a 102% jump compared to 2018 when the figure was only $4.9 billion. So you can see Israel is really ascending in the world. The figures do not include follow-on transactions when companies that already had an exit have a second sale. Taking into account uh, follow-on transactions, the total amount of deals, IPOs, and M&As for 2019 jumps to close to $23 billion from $13.5 billion in 2018, the data shows. The most prominent sectors for exits during the decade were semiconductor firms, computing, software startups, and life science companies. Good job, Israel. 
from the Jerusalem Post, Netanyahu announces 3,000 new units to be built in West Bank settlements. This always tickles me, so whenever they do this, I like to report it. According to the report, the decision will be brought before the high court for approval within two weeks. So we'll see where that goes, and I'm sure they're going to approve that. More uh, settlements out in the West Bank. Good stuff for Israel. Times of Israel. After delays, state gives go-ahead for test of Leviathan gas rig. This was a week ago. The Environmental Protection Ministry gave the noble energy firm the go-ahead to perform a test of the Leviathan gas rig off Israel's northern coast, days after halting it amid, of course, pollution concerns. The lefties are all out there going crazy. Oh, you're going to ruin the universe by having uh, natural gas being pumped out of the ground. From Arat Shiva, Israel's Leviathan field begins pumping gas. So they passed their test and they began pumping gas. From the Times of Israel, thousands, here they are, flee their homes for fear of pollution as gas field goes online. Bunch of lefties are all running around with their hair sticking straight up in the air and the world's going to end, but it didn't and things are going okay. From Arat Shiva, some good news and more of it been going on for the past few days as the Kinneret, meaning the Sea of Galilee, rises seven centimeters in a single day thanks to heavy rainfall. It's way up. I talked to Sergio this morning. I was just talking to him a minute ago, and it's been raining all week. He is at the Kinneret today, and he says it's just raining, and as they drove by the Sea of Galilee, he says it is full. So good news for Israel. They've got plenty of water. Their uh, crisis that they had over the past year is behind them. And we'll thank the Lord for that. From Israel Hayom, Israel unveils laser system designed to intercept incendiary balloons and drones. This has been a real problem, and now they think that they have got something to take care of that problem. The Israel police unveiled a new laser system designed to intercept airborne incendiary threats sent from the Gaza Strip dubbed Light Blade. The system is said to resemble the Iron Dome defense system in its technology. It will tackle incendiary balloons and kites, which have started countless fires in the southern border vicinity communities over the past two summers, as well as drones. Lightblade is said to be the first defense system of its kind in the world. Lightblade was developed by three civilian engineers working with Ben-Gurion University researchers and the technology branches of the Israel Police and the IDF. According to available details, the laser is capable of engaging targets with an effective range of 1.2 miles, day or night. Good stuff there. Once the system locks onto its target, it fires a unique laser beam at it. If the target is a balloon or a kite, it incinerates it in midair. If the target is a drone, the laser burns parts of it until it is shot down. Shabtai said that the light blade provides a near-conclusive response to everything relating to balloons and kites and delivers a safe and effective solution to the drone threat. So Israel, once again, is learning how to defend itself against miscreants on all of their sides. And from national interest, China, this is bad news here, China may have stolen the secrets to Israel's Iron Dome missile defense. Yeah, between October 10th, 2011 and August 13th, 2012, attackers thought to be operating out of China hacked into the corporate networks of three top Israeli defense technology companies, including Elisha Group, Israel Aerospace Industries, and Rafael Advanced Defense Systems. 
by tapping into the secret communications infrastructure set up by the hackers, Cyber ESI determined that the hackers exfiltrated large amounts of data from the three companies. He continues, most of the information was intellectual property pertaining to Aero 3 missiles, unmanned aerial vehicles, ballistic rockets, and other technical documents in the same fields of study. Cyber ESI believes the culprits were the comment crew, a hacking group sponsored by the Chinese military. Mandiant, a Virginia-based cybersecurity firm, has further identified this group as the second bureau of the People's Liberation Army General Staff Department's third department and is most commonly known by its military unit cover designator as Unit 61398. Unit 61398 has been so aggressive in stealing American secrets that the United States Justice Department indicted four alleged members last May. The FBI wanted poster shows two of the men wearing what appear to be Chinese military uniforms. In fact, the most recent thefts have victimized America as much as Israel. The Arrow is a joint Israeli-American missile defense system. U.S. defense contractors wrote many of the stolen documents. So bad news for Israel there and for some tech here in America as well. But you got to be on top of those things with the Chinese. Uh, Christian News today. This is entitled Sharing the Good News. Okay. But before I give you the good news, congratulations to Charlie Moffat for having finished all of the Genesis sermons. He went through the entire series of them and he said he watched most of them twice just to make sure he got what he was getting. So there you go. Congratulations, Charlie. And uh, let's see here. This is sharing the good news, right? It's going to be a little different category than we normally do with Christian news. Here's an idea for your New Year's resolution. We at the Superior Word encourage you to take Saturday morning off, skip watching TV. Instead, do what the Lord commands, which is to be his witnesses. To that end, Chris, who is not here today, by the way, oh, she is coming. She has pestered me into sharing one of the ways that we do this at the Superior Word. It is something that we have done for the past 13 years, having never missed one Saturday morning in all of that time. Now, individually, some of us have. But as a collective group, we have never missed a Saturday morning. We've been there every single holiday. We've been there during hurricanes. We've been there during cold, heat. It doesn't matter what. We have never missed a Saturday in 13 years. Consistency is the key to what we do. Like anything else, perseverance is where efforts pay off. Each Saturday at 9.30 a.m., there are three or four of us, sometimes a couple extra, who meet right at the projects in downtown Sarasota. If there's a murder in Sarasota on Saturday night or Friday night, you can bet it happens where we go to on Saturday morning. All right. There's many, many times we've had people come up to us and say, we need prayer right now. Somebody was hacked to death in the street next door to us or whatever. It's a common thing. So this is not a place that uh, you uh, would normally expect to be going to. But when you care about what happens in the world to the salvation of souls, you will do this type of thing. We have a team leader. His name is Tom Alley. He's missed five Saturdays in 13 years. Only five, and all of those were to go to Indiana to visit his family during a time of crisis or need. Okay? He never misses, ever. All five were, as I said, traveling to Indiana. 
There is Jim, who has been at it for about five years or so. There is Chris, who has been at it for two or three years, and she has never missed a Saturday since she started going. Even with migraine headaches, she will show up there. And then she skips Sunday morning church. So uh, I show up once in a while as well. Okay, I try to be there when I can, which is, I actually, I try to be there every single week. Sometimes I've got a wedding or I've got a, you know, something. But if I'm not actively doing something, this is what I do on Saturday morning. There are others who come from time to time. They visit from Indiana, and when they are here, they never miss a weekend, okay? And today, we have a missionary at the Superior Word Church who comes from overseas. I can't give any more information about it, but the country that this person is in, we can't disclose that. But when she is back here, and it is usually once a year, once every two years, she never misses a Saturday going out with us. This is a person that's on vacation from doing missionary work, and yet she's out there with us. So hats off to this individual as well. Um, we pray as a group before we head out. We knock on doors, and we ask if we can pray with people. If no one is home, we still stop and pray for the people in the house before going to the next house. One of the most effective tools that we have to open up a conversation is that Tom, our team leader, carries a bag full of gummy candies. And he usually offers them first. He says something like, hey, you want something for the sweet tooth? And very few people will ever say no. And from there, we ask if we can pray for them or if they need a prayer. And very rarely will people say no. They always say, yeah, I can use a prayer. All right. Chris carries Bibles that she gets at Goodwill and other places, even brand new Bibles for a dollar or so, because people get a Bible for their birthday and they don't want it and they give it to Goodwill. And she goes and buys a brand new Bible for like a buck. All right. And she hands them out like they are candy. She's handed out more Bibles than you will probably ever see in a bookstore in your life. At times, people will need a microwave or they'll need a sofa or a bed or whatever. And we we'll get it for them. And we hand out clothes, we hand out blankets and whatever. Even food if we have it, but we never take cash and we never hand out cash. That's something you do not want to do if you decide to do this. All right. And we'll find what they need and we'll deliver it to them. There are times where people will not want to hear about Jesus at all, but we just keep going by. We just keep offering prayer. We say hi, we help with their needs. And eventually, even two or three years later, the person may need a prayer or want to hear about Jesus. And these people have been abandoned in the world, okay, especially because of the government. They've been imprisoned by the U.S. government, and they have very little hope. If they want to get out of the projects, they lose all of their funding, and if they get a job, then they lose their money for uh, or their apartment because they're making too much to live in the project. So the government has them in this box, and they have no hope at all. If there is a murder, as I said, in town, there are is a very good chance that it happened right where we go on Saturday morning. There are very few married couples in the entire projects, and yet there are babies being born there constantly. There's always, always a baby being born there. There are times when we'll ask ourselves, are we doing any good at all? But being discouraged or not, and having no fruit at all for sometimes months at a time, we continue to go, because consistency is the key. Without it, there will be no fruit at all. And the only other people that are out there that we see faithfully are the Jehovah's Witnesses. So you've got either darkness or you've got light. That's all you have. Those are your choices. And so we go no matter what. And to keep our spirits up as we walk, we have a weekly penny contest. Who can find the most money as we walk? And you think, well, you'd run out of money. We walk in the same streets every single week, every week, every year. 
we do the same thing and yet we find money every single week because they have no respect for money. They don't know what it means and so they just throw money on the, the sidewalk as if it was trash. And so we have a contest who can pick up the most coins, okay? There's never a week that we don't find a handful of money. The person who gets the most coins wins. And if there's a tie, then the winner is the one with the highest amount because you might have two nickels and this guy might have three quarters or something, whatever. So if there's a tie, the one with the highest amount wins. And it keeps us having fun as we trudge through the rain, through the heat, through the cold, and so on. And all, what's that? Who usually wins? Yeah, I, I don't know. Who wins? I, I think I've, in, 15, in 13 years, I think I've lost that contest only three times. Right. All right. I win every week. I, I, I just happen to find them. It's just the way it is. But uh, everybody's looking. It's not like they're not trying. And this past week, it was very close because Chris was up at seven and I was at seven, but she had a dime and all I had was pennies. And so I'm like, what's going to happen? And I, I get a little frustrated at that point. But by the time we had walked around the corner, I had found up to, I think it was 14 and she had gotten up to 11 or something. So... I won again. It's good. And it's very stressful on Saturday morning for me. I, I got to keep the edge. Anyway, in all the years that we have done this, we have only had one incident that was mildly threatening. Only one. And that happened to be when our friends John and Kathy from Arkansas were visiting. They came down. And that week we told them, we never have any trouble here. It's always quiet, always peaceful. And we had somebody out there yelling and screaming and just causing a, a great deal of grief. But other than that, we used to take our own children out there when they were this big. And there's never been any time where anybody was threatened because they do their killing at night and the bad guys do their sleeping during the day. So it's not anything that you would need to worry about in Sarasota at least. But um, I will say this is that you all know me, I'm a gun carrier. I carry a gun everywhere I go. Everywhere I go, if you see me, you see a person carrying a gun, except when I'm in the projects. The most dangerous part of Sarasota, I said to myself, I am not going to do that while I'm here. And I never carry a gun in the projects. And I don't think any of the other people do either. It's the only time that we don't do that. That's our commitment is we're there to represent the Lord. And if somebody takes us out, It'll be a testimony for the other people to continue doing what we're doing. So there you go. I would suggest that all of you that are listening today would take advantage of this, that you would go out and that you would participate in something like this in your local town, wherever you are, and get out to know these people and get out to helping them. They have a need and you have the ability to meet that need. So please, that is our good news sharing for the year, and I hope you will take advantage of it and make a commitment to do so. All right couple articles in the Christian category from Western Journal. This goes back to Christmas. I didn't realize they had done this, but I was so happy I decided to report on it. Hobby Lobby runs a full-page Christ the Lord ad in newspapers around the country. Did y'all know that? Yes. Oh, somebody did. Hobby Lobby ran full-page ads in newspapers across the nation during the week of Christmas that celebrated the birth of Jesus and recognized him as Christ the Lord. The newspaper ads feature a star above the words, it's a boy. Below that is the Bible verse, Luke 2.11. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. The bottom of the ad includes this message. If you would like to know Jesus, our Lord and Savior, visit Need Him Ministry at whatever uh, chataboutjesus.com. Hobby Lobby issued a statement on Christmas Eve titled, Celebrating the Meaning of Christmas. It elaborated on the company's newspaper ads and dedication to sharing the Christmas message. 
This ad serves as a reminder of the true meaning of Christmas and celebrates what millions of people around the world and for centuries have considered a turning point in human history, the birth of Jesus Christ, the statement said. So you want to uh, support a company that is willing to go out, put its foot forward and acknowledge Jesus Christ, go to Hobby Lobby. All right, and from Superior Word News Service, you all saw it. If you didn't see it, I'll tell you about it. Pope Francis wax a faithful follower, and then later he apologizes for it. If you didn't see it, I will I will give him the benefit of the doubt, though. Most people got down on him, and they said, well, he's a bad man and all that. And he is a bad man. There's no doubt. We've talked about him week after week. But I will say this. The person that was, he was walking, he had his hand out, and he was saying something to somebody and somebody grabbed his hand and the person next to her if you watch the video was appalled she was like so it was it wasn't just something that he had a right to be angry about this you know when you're out like that and somebody comes at you you don't know what they're doing and he was taken off guard but what he shouldn't have done is he should not have whacked that person afterward he did give her a good hard whack and he stomped away he should have said you know i don't want you to do that again and then moved on but anyway okay from uh, islam today Another one that's whacked, Soleimani, okay? No need to report on it. Everybody and their mother around the planet has been giving their opinion on what happened with that guy. He got whacked. Next story. Okay, from uh, Wall Street Journal, NATO faces a fresh quandary as Turkey tips toward Russia. Okay, great article. Go read that. From Bloomberg, Erdogan edges closer to deploying Turkish troops in Libya. From Al Arabiya, Turkey's Erdogan in Tunisia on unannounced visit to discuss Libya. From Reuters, Turkey-Libya maritime deal rattles the eastern Mediterranean. Okay, zero hedge. Like watching a car crash in slow motion, Turkey balks at U.S. sanction. Okay, despite mounting political and diplomatic pressure by the United States and its NATO allies, Turkey has again balked at U.S. attempts of intimidation and dug into its refusal to abandon a new Russian missile defense, saying it won't bow to the threat of crippling U.S. sanctions or trade the S-400s for an American system. They said they would not sell Patriots unless we get rid of the S-400s. It is out of the question for us to accept such a precondition, said Ibrahim Khalil, a spokesman for President Erdogan. An irrational anti-Turkish sentiment has prevailed in the Congress and it is not good for Turkish-American relations, Khalil added, noting that Congress should know that such language of threat would push Turkey exactly toward places that they don't want it to go. Namely, right into the hands of Vladimir Putin, who is on even better terms with Erdogan than Trump, despite Turkey taking down a Russian fighter jet over its territory several years back. In a television interview, President Erdogan said if the U.S. punishes Turkey for its purchase of a Russian air defense system, then if necessary, we may close Incirlik and Kurishi installations where the U.S. keeps approximately 50 B-61 nuclear weapons and operates critical radar. Erdogan's declaration elicited an anxious reaction from U.S. Defense Secretary Mark Esper, who said it raises questions about Turkey's dedication to NATO. They have that inherent right to house or to not house NATO bases or foreign troops, Esper said. But again, I think this becomes an alliance matter. Your commitment to the alliance, if indeed they are serious about what they are saying. It feels like we are watching a car crash in slow motion. 
The Trump admin has sought to cajole Erdogan in a bid to prevent Ankara from knitting closer ties with Moscow amid concerns that treating him like a pariah would push Turkey further into Russia's orbit. But Trump has had to contend with angry U.S. lawmakers who have voted through a string of bills aimed at punishing Turkey. The president has so far refrained from using a piece of legislation that allows him to slap sanctions on any country that makes a sizable arms purchase from Russia, which he could do. But a Senate committee recently approved a bill that would enforce the legislation which could freeze Turkish assets in the United States, restrict visas, and limit access to credit. Turkey is playing a showdown and it is winning, a senior European diplomat at NATO said. It is indeed, and the only recourse the West has is to slap crippling sanctions on its economy in hopes of forcing Erdogan to realign his attitude. As Bloomberg reminds us, the last time the U.S. sanctioned Turkey last summer to pressure it to release a detained U.S. pastor, the lira crashed and sent the Turkish economy into a recession from which it is still recovering. So you can see things are not going well with Turkey and the United States and NATO. And exactly what the Bible said will come is coming, and it's coming right before our eyes. From Ynet, Turkey maneuver could block Israel's access to the sea. This is serious here. Turkey could be in a position to detain, inspect, and investigate any vessel crossing the designated area. For Israel, which is 99% reliant on the sea for import and export of goods, this is an unacceptable position. According to press reports earlier this month, the Turkish Navy barred an Israeli research expedition from completing its work in the EEZ of Cyprus, which was coordinated and licensed by the government. The Turkish naval vessel demanded the Israeli ship leave the area, claiming it is in exclusive Turkish territorial waters. Is this a sign of things to come? Time will tell. Two of Israel's wars, 1956 Sinai Campaign and 1967 Six-Day War, broke out over navigation rights. Israel must take note of a new reality taking hold in the Mediterranean. It must regard Turkey's actions as substantial strategic threat and consider what it may do to respond to it. That's a serious article right there, and I haven't seen anybody else except that article report on it. From Zero Hedge. Turkey's parliament authorizes military to deploy troops in Libya. And Zero Hedge, Libyan rebels shoot down Turkish plane moments after Ankara approves sending troops. So we can see that things are really getting hot with Turkey all over this area, and it's happening right now, and it's happening right before our eyes. From Mongolia, from Voice of America News, Mongolian youth seek to preserve reindeer-based Tradition. This is a video you can go watch if you want. I'll give you a little synopsis. Mongolia was once solely a land of nomadic communities, moving from location to location, depending on the season. One tribe that has lived in the isolated mountains in the north of the country for generations is the Tsa'atan. As the country urbanizes and cities continue to grow, the government has rezoned land on which they were previously free to roam. As Libby Hogan reports from northern Mongolia, young Tsa'atan people now face the choice of moving to the city or staying and continuing a traditional nomadic life. So we'll see where that goes. It's like a lot of other cultures that kind of disappear into cities. And um, we were just talking about the superior word going out to the projects. And I see Chris showing up late for church <laughs> where we talked especially about her. If you happen to watch that particular part of the Prophecy Update and you see a picture of a person at 
IHOP with her hand in front of her face, that's her. She is camera shy, and so all you see is a hand, and then you'll see one other person sitting there with a smiley face over their face, and that's to protect somebody's anonymity who's going back overseas in another day. So you have a smiley face over your face. <laughs> anyway, there you go with that. But uh, welcome to the superior word there, Chris. It's good to have you here as late as you are. And from Daniel 12 Technology. Mail online, scientists cure alcoholism by implanting electrodes in the brain as Dr. 67 becomes the first person in North America to undergo this treatment. They put electrodes in his brain and it cured his alcoholism. Canadian researchers used deep brain stimulation to treat severe alcoholism. Frank Plummer, 67, drank almost an entire 70 CL bottle of whiskey every night. I don't know how big that is, but it sounds bad was on the verge of killing himself by continuing to drink following liver transplant and implanted two electrodes in the area of his brain responsible for rewards and impulse. It's hooked up to a device in his chest that zaps the brain regulating faulty activity and it cured him of his alcoholism. So there you go, mail online. Elderly people in Japan are wearing mechanical exoskeletons to extend their working life into the 70s as the country's population becomes one of the oldest in the world. Another great article on this subject, which I may report on, probably not, it's from Zero Hedge about the aging of Japan. It is unsustainable. Japan will cease to be a nation in a few years, I'm 20 or 30 years, if they do not get this corrected, okay? but. Japan has one of the oldest populations in the world with 28% over 65. The country is considering raising the retirement age to 70 in order to cope. Some frail residents are reportedly turning to exoskeletons to lighten the load. A $1,300 suit is worn like a backpack and it helps people lift 55 pound packages. So there you go, go get yourself an exoskeleton. From Mail Online, world's first uncrackable code. Scientists develop security system that can never be hacked, even by quantum computers. Never say never, okay? We thought Enigma was the, the cat's meow and the bee's knees back in World War, yeah, World War II. The Germans did, and they cracked it. Well, anyway, they have something they say is uncrackable. Team at University of St. Andrews, along with partners, created an uncrackable code. It uses optical chips that send information user to user using one-time only key. The technology overcomes the major threat of quantum computers, which will soon be able to crack existing methods. So one guy out doing another and somebody will get something to replace that. So we'll see where it goes. Mail online. Information has been teleported simultaneously between two chips for the first time, which could help protect the world's data on superfast quantum computers. They've actually teleported information. University of Bristol, experts created chips to generate the quantum information. They used quantum entanglement to teleport the particles between two chips. The team said this could lead to the creation of a new secure quantum internet. The research is a vital step in the process of creating more advanced circuits. Kind of cool. Revelation plagues today. I'll just give a very quick report on Australia, what I came up with yesterday. Wildfires have killed 22 people. 2,500 buildings have been destroyed. 15 million acres of land have been destroyed and 500 million animals have died. These people are in real trouble over in Australia. It sounds like California two years ago had a very bad time and Australia is getting it now. 
I will say this. I may include the report just so you don't, you know, I don't like to say things without having a report, but I read one uh, yesterday that, guess what? A lot of the, this is not climate change, folks. They have fires all the time. They have identified that many of these fires have come about because of people igniting them. Just like we had in California, these people are destroying their own livelihood doing this. And then what happens is, because it's very hot there, is it actually produces its own storm. When I was out mining gold in Alaska, it would be very hot in the summer and the Indians would set fires because then they would get paid to put out the fires by the government. And they would develop their own storms and you'd have lightning storms. Well, in Alaska, unlike there, it's just mostly uh, brush. It's stuff that can burn very, very easily. These storms grow, lightning strikes, and it creates another storm and another storm. And pretty soon it produces a storm, which is like a, a tornado, which just takes fire everywhere. So this is people doing this to themselves as much as anything else, but it doesn't negate the suffering that people are going through. So let's take a moment and pray for them. Heavenly Father, we certainly pray for the people of Australia and the difficult times that are uh, being faced by them, and we would pray that you would send the rains upon them, whether they deserve it or not, for the uh, decisions they've made over the past couple of years with immorality, with abortion, your wrath is coming upon the whole world, but we certainly pray for Australia as a whole, that maybe this will humble them and bring them back to wanting more of Jesus, and if so, then it was worth it. And Lord, we just ask that you be with them, and especially the Christian believers, that you would give them comfort in their times of difficulty. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we have uh, Zero Hedge. We are in the midst of the worst drug crisis in American history. There has never been a time in our history when more Americans have been on drugs. According to the most recent government numbers, 24.6 million Americans have used an illegal drug within the last 30 days. According to Bloomberg, 46% of all Americans have taken at least one pharma legal pharmaceutical drug within the last 30 days. Today, Americans consume approximately, get this, 80% of the total global supply of opioids, and it is a major national crisis. But even if we were able to get rid of all the opioids, we would still be the most drugged up nation on the entire planet. We have become a nation of addicts, and the self-destructive path that we are on does not have a positive ending. Talk about a revelation plague, there it is. New York Times, tough year for measles and other infectious diseases in the United States this year. The last year, 2019, the germs roared back. Measles tripled. Hepatitis A mushroomed. A rare but deadly mosquito-borne disease increased, and that was just the U.S. Globally, there was an explosion of measles in many countries, an unrelenting Ebola attack in Africa, and a surge in dengue fever in Asia. There were also backslides in some diseases, like polio, that the world was close to wiping out. There were nearly 1,300 cases of measles in the United States through November. That's the largest number in 27 years. Three-quarters of this year's cases were in the Orthodox Jewish communities in or near New York City. As do most U.S. outbreaks, it started with travelers infected overseas who spread it to people who hadn't gotten a measles vaccine. Hepatitis A tends to be thought of as a kind of food poisoning. However, traced to an infected restaurant worker with poor hygiene, is where it came from this time. But the latest wave began in San Diego among homeless people and people who use illicit drugs. In 2017, there were 1,500 cases in four states tied to the outbreak. 
This year bloomed to 17,030 states with Florida and Tennessee the hardest hit. This rare and deadly illness saw a small but worrisome increase last summer. Eastern equine encephalitis got its name because it was first seen in horses in Massachusetts. The numbers remain very low, just 38 cases this year, but that's more than double the annual number in the past decade, and it included 15 deaths. That prompted health warnings in some places and even calls to cancel outdoor events scheduled for dusk when mosquitoes are most active. So there you go. That's a snapshot of the U.S. in the past year. And you wonder how it says in the book of Revelation that these people, are a third of the people, I think it says, will be killed by the beasts of the earth. And you think, well, we got all the tigers and lions subdued. How can that be? It's because of things like equine encephalitis. That's a beast of the earth, and its blood is transmitting these things, and people get it, and they die, and it's going to bloom during the uh, tribulation period. So my recommendation is to know Jesus now. All right? Morality today. From the Daily Caller, biological male files lawsuit demanding entry into female beauty pageant. Yeah, a biological male who identifies as transgender woman is suing after being denied entry into a female beauty pageant in Oregon. Lawyers for Anita Green, insane, filed suit against U.S. of A pageants in the U.S. District Court for the District of Oregon alleging the organization had unlawfully discriminated against Green by limiting the competition to natural-born females. Green's lawyers contended the requirement that contestants be natural-born females was an express discriminatory eligibility policy, arguing that the requirement was intentionally designed to exclude biological males who identify as transgender women. Well, yeah. Green's... Green's lawyers argued that the requirement is discriminatory because it denied Green the full and equal advantages and privileges of defendant's services in violation of Oregon's public accommodations law. Yeah, insane. And he's not that good looking even as a guy, much less a girl, okay? From LifeSite, Tennessee introduces bill to ensure school athletes compete based on biological sex. Finally, something normal being passed, or at least submitted. Tennessee Republican introduced legislation meant to prevent gender-confused male students from competing against girls in school athletic programs by making state funds contingent on schools adopting a biological understanding of sex. Good. HB 1572 says that all publicly funded elementary and secondary schools in the state shall require for an official or unofficial school-sanctioned athletic or sporting event that each athlete participating in the athletic or sporting event participates with and competes against other athletes based on the athlete's biological sex as indicated on the athlete's original birth certificate issued at the time of birth. Smart. Okay, a contrast. Here's a contrast in tweets or in philosophy. The first one is a tweet from UN Women at UN Women this past week. This was their tweet. Not every woman can afford the penalty. The penalty means being a mother. In other words, a born on demand. That's the United Nations. Okay, I'd like to take you back to what Trump said on June 26. Trump, in this administration, we believe that every child, born and unborn, is made in the holy image of God. There you go. A little contrast between ideologies here. You wonder if it's important to vote or not? That's it. Or other category. From K-R-O-N. 
California public schools can't suspend students for disobeying teachers, new law says. If they're out of control, you can't suspend them. Starting 2020, it will be illegal for public schools in the state to suspend students in first through fifth grade for willfully defying teachers or administrators. We reported on this when it was approved. Now it is in place because it is 2020. All right, then from 2021 through 2025, it will be temporarily extended to kids in grades six through eight. Another new law, mandatory change to school start times. The law is set to be phased in over the next three years. High schools can start no earlier than 8.30 a.m. and no sooner than 8 a.m. for middle schoolers. The controversial measure could be costly. State legislative analysts have said that some schools may end up spending millions to accommodate the adjustment because kids can't get out of bed on time and get to school. They have to do this and it's going to cost taxpayers millions of dollars. From the New York Post, de Blasio giving freed New York City inmates metro cards and gift cards. When they get out of jail, they get money with it. Mayor Bill de Blasio's latest soft on crime initiative has workers stationed on Rikers Island presenting newly released jailbirds with free transit passes and two $25 debit cards each. Plans even call for the addition of prepaid burner-style cell phones and drawstring bags for the ex-inmates to carry their swag, a source familiar with the program said. The crime pays giveaways builds on another de Blasio policy that showers freebies, including Mets tickets on prisoners being released under the state's new bail reform law. That's New York City for you. And what do you think the outcome of that is? More crimes. Zero hedge. De Blasio's New York former Rikers inmate using taxpayer-funded debit cards to buy liquor and tobacco. The first thing they do is they take the money and they head to the liquor store. Yep. Mail online. Woman charged with hate crime for slapping three Orthodox Jewish women in the face during Hanukkah gets released without bail and assaults another person the next day. Tiffany Harris was first arrested on Friday for allegedly slapping three Jewish women in Brooklyn and yelling at them, blank you Jews. She was released without bail on Saturday, then rearrested on Sunday for allegedly hitting a 35-year-old woman in the face. This is de Blasio's New York City. Okay, I've got a uh, tweet here for you. You may have heard this on the news, but that's okay. Ryan Saavedra at Ryan Saavedra says, in September, this is... In September, just three months ago, Democrat Joe Biden attacked Texas Governor Greg Abbott for signing a law that let lawful gun owners carry guns into places of worship. Biden said at that time, it's just absolutely irrational. It's totally irrational. And now you find out that it was a lifesaver. A lot of people's lives were saved because of that bill. Zero Hedge, wave of Chinese restaurants closes across America. Did anybody know that? Have you been noticing the Chinese restaurants disappearing? Yeah. yeah. You know what? I'll tell you about this in a second. According to the New York Times, citing data from Yelp, the share of Chinese restaurants has dramatically fallen across major U.S. metropolitan areas in the last five years. Yelp data shows the share of Chinese restaurants in the top 20 metros has been in freefall since about 2014. Five years ago, 7.3% of all restaurants in the top 20 metros were Chinese, compared with 6.5% today. 
The declining trend has resulted in over 1,200 fewer Chinese restaurants, while these metros added 15,000 more restaurants. So the Chinese are going out of business. Why is that? Well, I'll tell you before I go on. This is why one of them went out of business is when I was a kid here in Sarasota, we had the Hong Kong Kitchen right down the road here. It was on the way you go up north, right? Got Philippi Shores Elementary School and a little further up, there's a surgical supply building. That used to be what was known as the Camel Den. Some of you know the Camel Den, okay? And before that, it was the Hong Kong Kitchen, okay? And they got closed because dogs and cats were missing in the neighborhood and this became a chronic problem and we used to go there once a week for dinner and guess what they went into the kitchen and they found all the dogs and cats in there so that closed for a good reason but we'll find out why these chinese restaurants are closing i see some people here with blank stares on their face which means they ate at the hong kong kitchen and didn't know this that was a long time ago but it's memorable okay the times noted that the oldest chinatown in the united states is located in san francisco and even there the share of Chinese restaurants are going down. Mass closings of Chinese restaurants show no signs of abating, but Indian, Korean, and Vietnamese restaurants continue to hold a steady market share or increase nationwide. One big reason, here it is, for the rash of closings seems to be the economic mobility of the second generation. It's a success that these restaurants are closing. These people came to cook so their children wouldn't have to, and now their children don't have to. That's an American success story. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. And I have said this numerous times. We talked about the projects earlier. When I drive down the road, I always go to the scrap all. I scrap stuff all week long. People throw stuff out on the side of the road, and I fill up my little pickup truck with all of it, and I separate it. Brass goes here, and aluminum goes here, and sheet metal goes there, and I take it, and I recycle it. And that helps buy lunch for the people after mission work, okay? And when I leave there, I might have $20, or I might have $100, whatever I find that week. And as I'm driving to the projects and I'm going through all of the projects, I say to myself this every week. I said, if I took whatever it was, we'll say it's $35 this week. It was $37.25 I got. If I took this and I gave it to anybody in the projects, it would be gone within an hour and there would be nothing to show for it. But if a Chinese family or an Egyptian family moved in there because it's the only place they can afford when they come to America and I gave it to them, in one year, they would have made a business out of it, and they would be living in a house of their own. And that's true. We've seen that happen in the projects. This is what the U.S. government does to people. It punishes them into almost non-existence. They're living like animals, and they have no idea how to get out of there, so they just spend money, and they throw it on the ground, and it's very sad. Please take the time to go into your local projects and get to know these people and get to know their problems and help them to get out of what they are in. Anyway, Baltimore Sun 2019 closes with 348 homicides in Baltimore, second deadliest year on record. The year had already set a grim record of 57 killings per 100,000 people, the city's worst homicide rate on record. Then killings went on for eight more days. There you go. Got a lesser cure for you. Let's see if you can figure out which article we're talking about. The parents have worked night and day so their children can make better pay. No cooking for you, better job you will do. The Chinese food owners make way. Good job. I think that was Les and Kathy, but anyway, it was one of them. All right, got an irony. Actually, I got two ironies here for you. This is irony 2020. Okay, it's the new year on New Year's Eve. What happened? The first one is sad. I understand death is sad, but it is ironic. Okay, 
male online transgender activist 25 is shot dead at the wheel of his taxi on New Year's Day hours after his cab company offered customers free rides home to keep them safe. Yeah, it's sad, but it is ironic. And then male online lawmaker who warned against drunk driving arrested for drunk driving on New Year's Eve. Yes, such is the world we live in. So from Sarasota, Florida to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, I'm Charlie Garrett. This is The Superior Word, and that is your Prophecy Update for the week.